Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Cyber Coast to Coast. This is one of your hosts, Scott Schober, from the East Coast here out of central New Jersey at our company's headquarters, Berkeley Varitronic Systems. I'm joined by my partner and brother, Craig Schober from the West Coast. How are you doing there, Craig? Um, okay, Scott. I uh, hope everyone out there is doing well. And as Scott said, I'm from coming from Long Beach, California, <laughs> on the West Coast. Um, and if you could hear that that cough, uh, I, I think Scott's getting over uh, something. So uh, apologies for any uh, coughing during this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks. Sorry about that, everyone. I am. I, I had COVID the other week, a couple of weeks ago, coming back, uh, probably during or coming back from RSA, maybe the plane or something like that. The uh, big RSA security show was in San Francisco and several of my colleagues there also seem to have come down with COVID. But not only did I get it, but also my wife and two children at the same time. And I already had a sinus infection prior to that and then another sinus infection. So I kind of got three waves of breathing challenges and coughing. And it seems like this one's lasting here. So again, I mentioned that because that's one of the reasons why the last few weeks you haven't heard cyber coast to coast. We've been dealing with several different things and some personal family issues too. So it's been difficult, uh, but we're glad to be back and uh, glad to be here with you, Craig. And I wanted to just uh, make uh, mention and thank our uh, sponsor, which is uh, Dark Kryptonite. And Dark Kryptonite stops ransomware, malware and phishing in their tracks, eliminating cybercrime, fraud and information warfare. <coughs> Excuse me. Dark Kryptonite utilizes advanced blockchain algorithms and zero trust models. You can learn more about them at uh, darkkryptonite.com. And that's kryptonite spelled with a C. So check out their website for some of the exciting stuff that they're doing. Uh, we've got three great stories here. Maybe I'll just, just give a quick rundown of what we're going to chat about. And that way, if somebody does want to hear about a particular story and they want to go right to it in the podcast, they can do that if they have particular interest. Uh, the, the first one comes from CyberScoop. And uh, it's talking about Ukrainian cybersecurity officials disclose two new hacking campaigns that are happening. So we'll dive into that a little bit and some of the specifics and uh, who's behind it. Uh, then the second story comes from the Hacker News. Europol busts phishing gang responsible for millions in losses. So we're going to talk a lot about phishing today. And then uh, the final story there is coming from um, Pixim Security. And it's kind of an update on a phishing story. The fish goes on 5 million stolen credentials and counting. And we'll talk a little bit about the uh, Facebook and the phishing campaign and all the challenges that are going on there. So um, some, some interesting stories this week. I can't say any one is better than the other. They all have some interest. And that's why we kind of like to highlight them. And then hopefully in our discussion, we can bring light to some of these and, and share tips from time to time as well. Um, but maybe that's a good way just to start us off, Craig just to share a few tips and I'd love to get your thoughts and what you think about maybe to some extent gone are the days when you receive an email, a phishing email where it says the, you know, the Nigerian prince needs you to click on the blow and, and claim $10 million that's owed to you, so on and so forth. <clears throat> and it used to be that I would always encourage people, you know, notice any type of odd oddity in a, in a, in the email that you get when you're not sure who the sender is, if there's, poor spelling and grammar, if there's misspellings, incorrect grammar, the phrasing maybe is, is just a little bit off. Um, any of those type of things, um, th they raise red flags when you're reading it. 
but, but oftentimes people wonder, are these people just, you know, bad spellers? Are they illiterate? Are they this or that? Actually, why do they do that? Interestingly enough, in the past, a lot of it was really to bypass the spam filters. I don't think people realize that. So if they can get emails through the, the, the old school spam filters, uh, they were successful. And a, and a good percentage of people also looked at that and said, well, it must be legitimate. It got through my spam filter. Again, lending credibility. So that's one thing to really look for. And, and again, most of that it's older types of stuff, but anything really for phishing from a tip standpoint, if they're asking for something, send me money, any personal information that they're asking for through an email, even if again, it looks legitimate, um, if they've got a link there and you were to, were to click on it, you could examine the link first, look at the URL. If it says HTTP and that's it, uh, and then colon backslash backslash, it's probably not secure. But if it's got the S in there, that gives some credibility that there's level of security and some encryption there. So look for HTTPS is always a good best practice to look for. Um, another, also, another good one, I, I, yeah. I think, let me chime in here for a second Please, is is the you know the fuse the um yeah. uh the there's always a imminent danger imminent warning yeah <coughs> and i think that's a great one to keep an eye out for because you know these are purportedly this is a nigerian prince or some kind of organization <laughs> on the other side of the world reaching out to a stranger asking for a lot of money really soon before this window closes and they can't get the money and they yeah. can't give you your money and it, it's on when you when you read it when you kind of break it down that way um on paper it's almost absurd you know when you remove the emotion from it when you remove the urgency from it it becomes kind of an absurd premise that they're reaching out to the stranger and they got to give you all this money before it stops and and you realize the real world it just doesn't work like that you know that's so true and, and i think maybe to add to that when they're kind of almost demanding actions it seems like they, they seem very you know you can write things in, in big bold fonts or things it, it almost like you're shouting at somebody i almost feel like some of those they're demanding things like a sense of urgency as you mentioned there or even it's like you won something that says you've won an exclamation point click here to redeem the prize or mm -hmm. we have you know we have your browser history pay now or we'll tell your boss so these all these spins on different things that give a sense of urgency i'm going to get in trouble do this yeah. now or i'll miss out and we've encountered all these types of things too even like at the at the car dealership you know they say oh i can give you this deal but you know the window is going to close and i can't give you give it to you tomorrow and you and you and in the moment you're like well i gotta walk away with a car i don't want to be back here i don't want to deal with this i'll just do i'll take their deal but when you think about it like that's absurd there's no way the deal the deal stops now or, or you know business business closing time that day of course they would extend it the next day if they're a normal person that wants a normal you know a sale and they want to have a happy customer so it's just it's just kind of more evidence that uh something they're not they're playing upon your emotions and and you know they're playing upon illogical uh non-critical thinking yeah yeah and, and again if something smells fishy it probably is fishy. If it looks a little fishy, it probably is a little fishy. So <laughs> excuse the puns, but, it, but, but it's so true. Good. So just a couple basic <laughs> techniques. And, and of course, fraudulent email is, I should point out, and, and we're all realizing this, but to some degree, they're getting better and better at it. 
So it's harder to distinguish a legitimate email from a fraudulent email. And, and I, I was checking earlier, I was talking to a business colleague here, just looking in my junk folder and the number of them that were labeled spam that came over just this morning, it was in excess of 300 emails and they were attachments, um, all kinds of different scams, everything from the, the prints to you've won money to the lottery, mm -hmm. over 300 of them. And I'm going through them saying, I don't have time for this stuff. Now, for, fortunately, they were marked junk and flagged, and but <clears throat> it still takes time and, and you still don't mm -hmm. want to miss maybe that critical order or critical communication that happens every once in a while that slips through and gets marked junk or something else. So it does take some discipline and effort but with training and with time, you do get to learn to spot ones that are suspicious. Um, and, and software does help too to, to, to kind of speed the process up. But nothing beats a, uh, a thorough check with your eyes too, and just double check. Yeah. And those emails, by the way, those emails that you're you're seeing, you're going to see a surge in um, spam, particularly on our our server, our domain, um, because. I, I recently, um, I, I, for listeners that might not know, I managed a website, um, you know, and, and update it, you know, almost every day. And uh, we were getting, um, I was missing some emails. I, I, I'm not sure if this, I, I think it was beyond Gmail, but I know it was a lot of Gmails for some reason. And these were legitimate Gmails, um, uh, emails that I was expecting from someone or I had gotten from them in the past. And they said, hey, I sent you an email, did you get it? I'm like, no, I did not. It's not in my junk folder something. It's being, this, this is being treated as some kind of spam and it's being kind of cut off very early in the process. So I can't even see a, a, a spam folder with it in it. So I went into my, uh, I went into the settings and realized that the um, spam threshold on our server was set a little uh, too low. So it was not letting in some emails that it should definitely have been letting in. Uh, so I cranked it, I turned it up a little bit, um, which means of course, we're not gonna be missing as many as we might've been, but of course, that also means we're going to let in a bunch of you know yeah. emails that shouldn't be let in, and that's just you know that's just the natural part of the training process, both for human uh, training and the server training itself. And I so I'm noticing it's doing it's doing its job. I mean, I'm seeing like you, I'm seeing dozens, if not hundreds, of junk emails marked as junk, and they appropriately are marked as junk. Uh, so so far so good. It has not. I haven't seen anything junk uh, marked as junk that should not have been. Excellent. Yeah, it's concerning. And we're not alone. I, I talk to a lot of companies and they're very frustrated with the world of email. And, and it's so saturated. It's the point now where the majority of emails, in other words, if you send out 10 emails, the majority of those that other people are sending are junk. So yours is getting lost in the in the in the cyberspace in a sense so mm -hmm. it, it's really changed it used to be that you could send an email and have a level of confidence that it can get somewhere M maybe not much unlike the um u.s postal system we used to be able to send a letter and mm. years back and you knew it was going to get there and now you spend more and more on stamps and you kind of wonder is it ever going to make it did it make it did it get lost Who knows? right the count yeah the confidence level isn't as high as it yeah. used to be for i mean it's complicated i guess there's you know a, a lot of things going on in um with uh transportation right now and international travel and those things uh and covid throw that in there uh and shortages worker shortages and things like that so um 
it's a it's a complicated reason why your mail, for instance, your physical packages might not get to you on time or at all. Um, let's hope that things uh, the bottleneck uh, clears up soon, though. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Well, we're, we're, let's transition right into our first story there. Again, it's from CyberScoop. Ukrainian cybersecurity officials disclose two new hacking campaigns. And before jumping in, I just wanted to get your thoughts. I, I've noticed with maybe it's the midterm elections, maybe it's just life in general. Um, I don't see in here as much as we did with the conflict there, Ukraine and Russia in the headlines as mm-hmm. much as before. Certainly it's still there, but I was wondering, did you get the same pulse of that? It is a lot more craziness going on in the headlines that you yeah, see? I, I think, I think you're right. Um, it's still there's still some news organizations that just cover it daily, but yes. it's almost like that's their mission and they made it that and that's great. You know, different um, you know editors and journalists have their kind of niche subjects or I mean I guess war isn't niche, but you know uh, they have their their favorites or the things they're most qualified for. So there's always going to be ones that cover it on a regular basis, but I have noticed it on uh, in general uh, kind of not appearing on. The headlines like it, i mean it probably had a straight month every single oh, yeah. back two months ago or three months ago every single day was a new headline where you'd have ukraine and russia in the headline and you knew exactly what it was going to be the story it was just kind of a small little update this city has been taken this city has been defended against this cybersecurity attack has you know has been um noted and dealt with and uh those kind of things but i think you know i think it is just um, domestic uh, uh, political headlines are kind of starting to take over and build and build up. Uh, you still have the, these January six hearings are still ongoing. Mm-hmm. So those headlines, um, you have a lot of stuff going on with the Supreme Court lately. So uh, I think we're going to return back to once. I think the war is going to heat up again. I mean, uh, at least in terms of uh, the reporting on it. Um, I don't know when it will be, but you know, these things, they seem to come and go in waves. Yeah. So, and you know, and this is the, I guess this story represents kind of maybe the beginning of a new cybersecurity wave of the, of the war. Um, I don't know. Hopefully we won't see too many more of these, but. And, and, and sometimes it's also, at least from the, the world of cybersecurity, there is some lows between different big trade events, certainly coming back from RSA a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, that that's a lot of people that go out to RSA and tune in and a lot of money spent there. Um, and then it becomes a little bit low as people get into summer. And then again, in uh, was it second week in August, Black Hat picks up mm-hmm. and then followed immediately by DEF CON in both in Vegas. So I'm going to be heading out there working with uh, cybercrime magazine. So look forward to that. There's always some, some great shows out there and they're a little bit smaller and more niche and focus with the hacking community, but um, nonetheless, they're, they're just as important, I think, because you do learn a lot and you meet a lot of great people out at those events there. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see what, what's going on and I'll, I'll, I'll share some things in the months to come after uh, covering those shows there. But um, what this story was interesting because it talks um and just to break it down a little bit, a Russian-backed hacker group launched two new hacking campaigns against Ukraine. So they're very targeted. Um, and it came through fake emails that contained malware-infected files. So um, again, we, we see this often. We open our email, 
and whether it's marked junk or not, and you're checking it and you see these attachments and oftentimes it is malware. And that's why we got to be so careful. And they mentioned the cyber attack campaign. It's believed to have come from UAC uh, 0098 and APT 28, uh, group linked with Russian military and famously known for uh, attacking multiple government institutions that are aligned with the West. And I've talked and reported about APT 28 a few times in the past on on different uh, <clears throat> radio stations and articles, this and that, but I haven't heard of U UAC 0098 yet, honestly. Um, and they mentioned the interesting part here, who they previously targeted in the article. I don't know if you, if you caught on to that or noticed that, but uh, one of the first ones mentioned was the White House. Uh, and then, of course, different countries, France, Germany, Norway, um, focused campaigns, and this one being more focused on, on Ukraine. Um, and, and it was caught by actually Ukraine's National Cybersecurity Task Force, the, the CERT-UA, who, mm -hmm. who actually caught and, and saw this happening, which was good. Good kudos to them that they actually saw it and were able to, to, to respond to it really quickly, which is, I think, very important. Um, and I mentioned in the article there, APT-28 uh, launched two different attacks. The first was noticed uh, beginning of the week on Monday when different organizations in Ukraine received emails from what was supposed to be the state tax authority of Ukraine. Hackers sent an email that made victims think they were being hit with tax penalties. And then, of course, once they clicked it, the file would infect the device with malware. Um, and, and it's kind of interesting, but it, again, because what we talked about earlier with phishing, mm -hmm. how effective it is, that giving them that sense of urgency. If you receive something and it's saying, oh, you're going to get a tax penalty, what are you going to do? You're going to go, oh, no. Oh, crap. Wait a minute. I thought I paid my taxes. I talked to my accountant or this or that. Now I owe money. What's going on here? You might be inclined out of emotion, fear, impulsive, being pushed to just click on that. So you, again, you see the dangers of some of these things there. And I think that's how phishing campaigns become so successful. They instill that sense of urgency, fear. It, maybe it's timing and it happens to connect. You just filed your taxes recently and now you're thinking you get a penalty because you missed something. Yeah, I think these uh, scam. I think these scammers have a real um, future in marketing. I mean, it, it sounds it, it's almost like they. It feels like they had a did a marketing group and said, "What are the top things that would scare you know Ukrainian households right now or something?" Yeah. And you know, I mean, uh, possible um, uh, tax penalties. That's going to scare anyone that you know, pays their tax regularly. So you're good. You're not going to just trash it. You're going to look at the email. You might not click on it, but you're going to give it a look. And then I noticed in the, the second attack, uh, it had a, a document in, in there attached in there. And of course that document was, uh, you know, full of malware, but the document was titled, uh, nuclear threat is a real threat. Now, you know, there's nothing like, you know, getting a Ukrainian, uh, citizen scared, by talking about, you know, a nuclear threat right next door, Russia, you know, so they're definitely going to take a look at that too. And they, you know, who knows how many people uh, have, you know, clicked on these things and then had the malware uh, installed directly onto their computers. Uh, so it, they're doing, the scammers are definitely doing their best to get people's attention and to get those clicks. Yeah. Yep. It's effective. Yeah. Well, before jumping into our second story, let's just thanks again to our, our sponsor there, uh, Dark Kryptonite. They stop ransomware, malware, and phishing in their tracks, eliminating cybercrime, fraud, and information warfare. 
Dark Kryptonite utilizes advanced blockchain algorithms and zero trust models. Learn more at darkkryptonite.com. Kryptonite spelled with a C. And it's interesting. We're talking about some of the great stuff Dark Kryptonite offers and does. Again, stopping malware and stopping phishing. We see in all three of these stories, it talks about some way or another phishing. Um, so that's kind of our theme today. It goes, goes hand in hand with that. So the next story is from the Hacker News. They, got, they put out some great content. Um, Europol uh, bus phishing gang responsible for millions in losses. Um, <clears throat> they mentioned that Europol arrested a criminal group that used phishing and scamming to steal millions of dollars and launder money. The premier European law authority stated that of all the individuals were located in the Netherlands. So we start to appreciate the uh, global nature of cybercrime. Oftentimes we always associate Russia lately, the past year or so, everything's been Russia, Russia, Russia. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of things do orchestrate out of Russia, but honestly, it's, it's maybe a little bit inflated sometimes. And before that, it used to be China, China, China. Mm-hmm. You still hear again, China, and a lot of things are originated out of China, but it's not everything. So I do think there's some exaggeration from time to time. And it's, it's, it's hard to attribute where a lot of these campaigns come from because they cover their tracks so well. Um, yep. But the interesting, uh, as the story goes on, it mentions that the um, group's mon- mon- moniker is known, the methods through which the group individually managed to steal money, including phishing, identity theft, social engineering, et cetera. Group contacted its victims by email and text, and then led them to a fake banking website, which I usually refer to, I guess, as a redirect, on which victims would put their personal banking information. The group managed to steal several million dollars in the process. And, and I've heard of this a lot of times, and I've almost been victimized by this with phone calls to start as almost a social engineering. They say, Hey, I'm from your bank, I'm with the fraud department, I need you to go to this site. Uh, I just emailed you over a thing, click on the link and go there, but they break it down first and make it a little more credible by saying, Hey, Mr. Schober, this is with so-and-so bank, the fraud department, your account number ending in 095792. Um, there's some suspicious activity. We need you to go to the website quickly and, and validate who you are, so on and so forth. So they step you through this over the phone which is credible because they talk the talk and they got mm-hmm. the right buzzwords and stuff. And then they send you an email and in the email has the link. And again, you, you get the email. It looks like it's from the fraud department. You see the bank's logo. The email is spoofed. It looks like it's coming from the bank. Mm-hmm. So it's all very credible. And if you go on the website, you look at the phone number. Oftentimes the phone number they're calling from one 800 but ba ba it matches what their right. actual bank's website they, is. They could spoof the numbers now. So exactly. you, and it's, we, we've talked about this before. It's, it's kind of the, it's the opposite of multi-factor authentication. Yep. You know, they're, they're, they're using uh, our old uh, uh, trusted uh, landline telephone systems. They're using uh, a text mess, text, text messaging next network SMS. They're um, using uh, phishing websites that look exactly like the websites we frequent. And when you have two or more of those things kind of line up at the same time, your your brain just goes into kind of instant credibility mode. You don't, you don't really think about it. You, you mm-hmm. think of all the times, Oh, I've been here. I've been in the situation before when it was legitimate and you just kind of 
let it go and assume that it's legitimate, you know, and it's, it's, it's a really, uh, it's really clever of them, of the criminals. And it's a really hard thing for a consumer to stop and think um, about what they're stepping into, um, which of course we encourage everyone to do. But we also know a lot of times, you know, you sit in front of your computer or your phone for a, a long time and your brain kind of goes into autopilot and it's very easy to slip into these into giving away your information and over the phone sometimes people want to be polite and when somebody asks you for your social security number when they should know they should already know what it is or maybe that operator should not have access to that information and yet they're asking for it we should know better but you know some people um you know that's how social engineering works some people uh, know what's right and wrong, and they still will pick the unsecure thing because for for very uh, you know various reasons, intimidation, or they just want to be polite, or they're not thinking fast on their feet. Um, so you know all these things um, lead to uh, tons of uh, phishing attacks and social engineering attacks, and ultimately identity theft. Yeah. Um, it's true, scary. Yeah. Um, and I should, the one thing I didn't remember to bring out in this, that they were talking through the article, reading through it before was they also, <clears throat> I thought was interesting, use cryptocurrency, which again, is nothing new. But then I just started thinking about it. If you're a criminal, a cyber criminal and a hacker, and your payout today is, is typically it's in Bitcoin and how it affects their business model when Bitcoin has changed so dramatically. I mean, Bitcoin's trading somewhere, I forget lately, around low $20,000, $21,000. Right. About a quarter, yeah, about a third of its all-time high value, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty scary where you go back a few months and when you're hovering above you know, $40,000, $50,000, now you're down in the $20,000 range. It, it must make cyber criminals think or at least hesitate or change their game plan if they were charging a thousand dollars in ransom or a hundred thousand dollars maybe they're going to start doubling that price or get get more greedy because they're they're probably justifying to themselves geez we're working hard we just had our pay cut in half this stinks so mm -hmm. I, I just thought that was interesting there and on top of that how many um cryptocurrency exchanges and crypto coins and associated things to that have been stolen now billions upon billions of dollars. So mm -hmm. it's probably getting harder and harder to be a successful cyber criminal. And on top of that, the companies that are educating and taking active stances to fight back against cyber criminals, mm -hmm. are going to have a tough time making a buck in the not too distant future, I think. Yeah. And it's also interesting that you bring that up with crypto prices fluctuating so much. It makes me wonder, like, are these, um, uh, scammers, you know, are they, are they hardcore crypto bros, you know, as the, as it were, like, do they, are they really in for the long haul? Do they believe, you know, they might not believe in following the law, but I'm sure they believe in getting rich. And do they believe that the best way to do that is to buy low while crypto, you know, is low right now, because it's only, they, they believe it's only going to go up in price or, do they, or, you know, is there, is there thinking not that long-term Are they just looking to cash in real quick? Um, it, it's kind of interesting. And I'm sure that the, um, the authorities look at those type of trends and they look at specific, uh, hackers and groups of hackers and say, 
you know, this, these groups, maybe that maybe, maybe the work of this might be this group rather than this group, because it doesn't fit the profile. You know, they, this group usually likes to, to work with, uh, something like crypto, um, uh, knowing that it's gonna, uh, they're gonna, it's gonna, they're gonna deal with it now, uh, buy, you know, kind of a buy low and, and sell high later at some, at some later date. So it's an inst- interesting, uh, profiling tool. I, I believe that the authorities also would, would use. Yeah, certainly true. Very interesting. Um, so let's jump into our, our next story here. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, just again to thank our sponsor here. Take a, a breather. Dark Kryptonite stops ransomware, malware, and phishing in their tracks, eliminating cybercrime, fraud, and information warfare. Dark Kryptonite utilizes advanced blockchain algorithms and zero-trust models. Learn more at darkkryptonite.com and kryptonite with a C there. So check them out when you get a chance. All right. And our third story there is from uh, Pixim Security. And this is, is a blog, again, talking about phishing. And this is an update. The fish goes on 5 million stolen credentials and counting. And, and since this one talks a little bit about uh, Facebook, I, I'm curious to, to get some of your thoughts because we were chatting the other day even about mm-hmm. some of the, the craziness going on with Facebook. And I was talking to actually a colleague um, yesterday about some of this as well and all the craziness that's going on in the Facebook platform, how some of that it, it, it by appearance seems to also be bleeding over into other social media platforms as well, the, the likes of Twitter and even surprisingly LinkedIn, which I guess is owned by Microsoft, has kind of changed some of the, the way they do things. And it looks a little more um, salesy. I, I don't know what other word to say. It's not a, not as... Um, corporate business and focus, but I feel it's a little more salesy when you start getting spams through your, mm. you know, your, your messages on LinkedIn and things like that. But um, <clears throat> again, this one here, the Facebook phishing campaign that breached millions of accounts is still active even after its discovery. In fact, they're mentioning in this article that the threat actors have actually increased their activity. Um, and and, and, and uh, PixM is, is a research company they uh, were initially reported that a massive hacking campaign affected millions of users on Facebook had been found by their research team. The company claims it reported those issues to Facebook. So they approached Facebook, said, hey, look what we discovered, guys, here. But since then, it actually has gotten worse. It's been more active in these campaigns. Does that make any sense to you? Why would Facebook not want to stop this immediately and keep, keep, keep their users happy? Uh, yeah, I can't account for that. Um, uh, originally, uh, I, I was looking at the story and I thought it directly related to me because I have a Facebook story of my own. Um, recently, um, we do a little bit of uh, advertising on Facebook from time to time. Not much because we're more you know, B2B and I, I don't think of Facebook as being I think of Facebook as being more like, you know, they're kind of in consumers faces as opposed to business, but I know, I know they're, you know, it's huge and, and yeah. yeah, And, and, and I'm sure there's a B2B play there, but, um, so I, you know, I dip my toe in once in a while and do little ads, mostly usually for our books and things like that. Cause you know, people are always recommending books on Facebook and I figure that it's a good target audience, but, uh, we, with our recent, um, kind of development, the, uh, AirTag and personal tracker detection for, you know, Bluetooth low energy devices. I thought, okay, this, this might be, I might get some, you know, good eyeballs seeing our ad and our video that we made for it because that stuff is, 
it's still in the news. It doesn't dominate the headlines at this moment, but it, it keeps coming back in the news with all the Apple air tags and things like that. So I, I placed an ad for, um, um, <clears throat> I placed an ad on Facebook, you know, just like a, I think it was like a $50 ad or something. And I, I think I even used one of their promotions. I, you know, one of their promotions going around and this is a legitimate Facebook promotion. If you spend whatever, $50, we'll give you $25 free and ad credit, something like that. So I said, all right, I might as well try it. You know, I do one of these. Yeah. Once every like four or five months, I'll do a, like a little Facebook ad test and just, just to see what happens. And the ad, <clears throat> excuse me, the ad ran for about three or four days until um, I got an <clears throat> I got an email from, uh, actually it looked like it was from Facebook. I didn't even look at the URL, but I, my eyes immediately went to some of the body of the text. Um, and that is, let me see, I had the email right here. Uh, your ad has, you know, it's, of course it's got the Facebook logo and all that stuff. And it, it's got a link directly to my page. It wasn't going, it wasn't sending me elsewhere. It's, it's legitimately sending me to Facebook, to my, um, ad my post, I should say. Uh, so, and if I'm already logged in, then it's just going to send me to my ad. Um, but it said, uh, your ad has been reported for violating Facebook ter- terms of service. You have two copyright strikes and we'll disable your ad account page to prevent that from happening. Use the form below to submit an appeal. Um, so it takes you, it's, it's strange because it took, uh, I didn't go to the uh, I didn't go to the link directly because I, I, I'm just, you know, by habit, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, ho- I co-host the cybersecurity podcast and wrote some, you know, co-authored some cybersecurity books. So if I'm clicking on links, then I'm, I'm not doing my job. I'm not doing it right. So I, I but I did go into Facebook, um, you know, the way I normally go and looked at the ad and I couldn't find the problem. I was like, well, the, the ad doesn't seem to appear to be turned off and I'm not seeing any little, usually you'll see like little exclamation points or warnings or, or you, yeah, you got something in your inbox saying, you know, we need to have a word with you because you violated the terms of service or whatever. And I, and I had every reason to believe that this could be legitimate because I've never gotten a, a scam phishing email about copyright strikes to, I don't, I haven't, I'm sure others have had, I've gotten those, but it's the first time I've gotten that. So that kind of piqued my interest. And we've gotten many of those before that were, uh, they weren't scams. They were legitimate. They were, you know, cause you grab pictures on YouTube and, and, and you do posts on Facebook and, uh, you know, you're half of the time, it's so hard to keep track of your copyright violations or potential violations. And the, you know, the way these systems work, anyone can report a copyright violation, uh, pretty much. And so these things, these things come up when you post a lot of content on, on social networks. So I thought there was a chance that it was, it was legitimate. Um, but it, it turns out, uh, I couldn't find any real problem with my ad. So what the next step was I went to Google and I said, you know, I, I typed in a few keywords, mm-hmm. uh, copyright, you know, Facebook term of service, violation, scam, you know, things like that. And sure enough, I found a couple of people reporting on a scam looked similar <clears throat> to mine. Uh, so finally for my own education, I said, okay, this is just a link. It's going to take, it, it might take me somewhere. I don't want to be so long as I don't enter in full information or don't install or download an executable file or anything like that. 
I think I'm in the clear. So my curiosity got the best of me. And I clicked on the link to see where it would take me. And it, it took me into something that looked pretty legitimate. It was a, um, a form that uh, wanted information about me to kind of contest the uh, term, the possible, you know, uh, copyright strike violation. And some of the, you know, form fields were pretty benign, like what's your name and stuff like that. But other ones were pretty specific and they were information, more importantly, they were information that Facebook should have known already. In other words, I was, I was logged in to my Facebook account and yet it was asking me for my username and password to Facebook, which didn't seem like... Uh, it didn't seem like a standard thing it would ask on any kind of form especially for this type of um you know a, a kind of um complaint or when you're trying to uh you know uh, tell your side of the story to against any complaint that, that came over for your account or your post or whatever so red flags started going up and uh <laughs> and then this is the most embarrassing thing um I, I then looked back at the original email and I noticed that it started off all this with hello, dear. <laughs> and I was like, how could I have missed? I wasted all this time, like, like going through all these things and checking it. And then after all that, like the hello, dear, that's the dead giveaway. That's like who, like, it was a pretty, it was a fairly sophisticated, um, phishing attack i thought until i saw the hello dear and then i'm like why did they like why did they do that like they couldn't they couldn't fish my name out of a database they they are sending it to me so how did they not know my name why would they, why would it just do a you know a blanket hello dear for all these people they're trying to attack and get to click on their stupid form and fill out their information like if they would have put hello craig or even hello facebook user that would have probably you know netted about a million more people. So I, I can't explain. I, I feel sorry for these guys sometimes, even though they're, you know, scumbags and they're and crooks. And <laughs> yeah. gotta, well, although that being them. said, maybe they did such a good job with the body of the email to instill, instill a sense of maybe fear and convince you enough that you just overlook the obvious. People that are busy and do a lot of email typically don't read all the email. Mm -hmm. They scan through and, and they, in a sense, were like, uh, you know, like an artificial intelligence. We could pull out the key pieces and ignore the, the, the majority of the body of things and still get the sense of it. Hey, this is legit or this is a scammer. Hey, this is going to require me to print something out or this is going to require a response. So in our minds, we're kind of very quickly sorting through content. And in the process of that, we might be on the phone somebody walking by or talking to us while we're doing all these things. So even though we don't truly multitask as people, maybe we're kind of trying to do that. And in the process, you're ignoring the hello dear and the other stuff that are mm. really tells that someone else might uh, have flagged and stopped uh, proceeding. I don't know. Yeah. And there's, there's definitely some laziness on my part too. I'll cop to because I originally saw this message on my phone. Now, if anyone, I don't know if this is, uh, the case for, you know, Android mail, but I just use, you know, Apple mail on my iPhone and with Apple mail, it, you know, how, when you have an email and it has the actual email address is different than your name. Well, of course, for some reason, Apple makes it, you have to do an extra click to see who actually sent you the email. So from the, what I saw was facebook.com, it came from facebook.com, but 
as you know, when you uh, drill down a little deeper with these emails, that's not the that's not the actual email address. It would come from if it was a legitimate one from Facebook, it would come from I don't know advertising.facebook.com or, or admin.facebook.com, whatever. I don't know what they use, but this one. You all I saw was Facebook.com. Now, if on iPhone, if you uh, hold down on the um, the link, it will then kind of go into the contact app, and then you'll see the actual email it came from. And in this case, it came from gongo three seven five at uh, oceore dot com. You know, whatever. You know, right there, that's an instant red flag. Red flag. Yeah. And you're like, okay, that's, that's bogus. Why would Facebook ever, ever send that delete, ignore, you know, but I couldn't see that. So my laziness uh, in not wanting to just do that one kind of extra click to see what the email, who the actual source was, you know, that was, uh, I'm partly to blame too, but I would hope that in the future, you know, Apple and anyone else who doesn't make that kind of stuff very transparent, very clear who's sending it to you. Um, because on their, you know, on their desktop systems, I use Apple Mail too, and you can instantly see who's it from. It's not, it's it's much clearer and it doesn't involve kind of jumping out from one app into a different app and copy pasting and and scrolling down this long URL to make sure mm-hmm. that every you know, character in the domain is the same as the domain you're expecting to go to and you know, all those things. So let's hope that they uh, Im- keep improving user interfaces so that lazy people like me, um, you know, have it a little bit easier. Yeah. I, th- I think you're not alone though. I mean, I've been guilty of it too. And sometimes I look back and I think, Oh, geez, why didn't I spot spot this or spend a, a minute more checking? And I, I now routinely tend to dig in a little bit deeper, partly out of maybe cyber curiosity, but, uh, and, and look at the header information, look at the raw source, try to, say, was I expecting this email? Where did it come from? What do they want me to click on? Is this legit or not? Like, I'm trying to do my a better job of that continually. I've been very fortunate and not been victimized lately by a lot of these scams, but maybe it's from the past paranoia where I take the time to do it. I don't think the average person has the time or the wherewithal to honestly look at the header information and click on the email and see if it's spoofed and mm-hmm. try to figure it out. They just you know, if it looks like junk and they don't want it, they delete it. If they have, if it looks legit, they click on it, they open it, they read it and give it two seconds and move on to the next thing. Cause uh, time is money for a lot of people in the world of business. It's, it's tough. Um, and I think part of the challenge, when we look at companies such as Facebook, when you've got so many billions of users around the globe and they have breaches where there's millions upon millions of accounts, as in this story talks about, um, it happens so many times you become numb to it. I, I have a, a Facebook account and I often will, will laugh and look at it and people want that. I know have known for 10, 20, 30 years, want to, you know, become friends on Facebook or whatever. And they'll write you something very generic or you just receive the invite and you're like, Oh yeah, I know them. Sure. But, but not realizing their account was taken over. And what they basically did was change the password. Somebody mm-hmm. takes over their account and now they go out to all their friends and then want to reconnect with them and try to do the same thing and take over your account and make connections and garnish information, steal credentials, so on and so forth. And they've got these campaigns and they could do it all day long. And people just click, 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 because nobody's got time to really dig in and check. Is this legitimate? Well, I see the picture. It looks like my friend. That's what they look like. Of course, it's real. That's what you're thinking. But 
Mm -hmm. Go down that scary path very quickly. And in this story, they also talked about they're really targeting the mobile browsers, which I think is interesting because there is a big shift in that. If you think about it, I was thinking about it going to the RSA show. Um, this was the first time that I was extremely dependent on my mobile phone. I used my mobile phone far more than my laptop, which is interesting. Um, and, and why? Because it's so easy to make calls, text, send emails, open documents. You can do so many things from your phone, just like you can on a laptop, hmm. but it's smaller. It lasts all day long with the battery and it, it's just convenient. So I think phones are getting better and better that there's less dependency from the, in, in the mobile world of using in, in a tablet or, or a laptop or anything like that. So mm -hmm. um, I think that's where the shift is going to happen. The shift is going to be toward smartphones more and more um, to try to compromise people's information, phishing attacks, you know, be it smishing attacks, phishing attacks, whatever the attack is, it's mm -hmm. going to be more and more uh, difficult to spot, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just follow. I've been, you know, advertising with uh, AdWords for you know the past fifteen years, and just seeing that shift. You know, they give you the breakdown of um, where your ad dollars are used most. And I remember back, you know, fifteen, twelve, ten years ago, even it was you know seventy five percent desktop and twenty five percent mobile. Now that's completely flip-flopped and even gone further. I'm seeing some some of our ads are just served 90% mobile wow. and desktop stuff's almost not a factor anymore. It's insane how how that works. And I don't, I mean, I'm of I'm a, I don't know if I'd say I'm a big phone user. Um, but I, you know, I guess I um surf you know, regular sites. Uh, and I, you know, on the phone and I've see I see plenty of ads, but I, I always assume that. I see that most people get their work done on computers and desktops, but uh, every time I see the uh, the breakdown, I'm always proved wrong uh, and realize so, so many people are just on the go. So many people trust their phones as their prior. They might have another computer or two, but they use their phone more as a primary computer because they're just they always have it with them. And uh, you know, it's the same thing as you know, what they say about uh, cameras. You know, the best camera. Uh, is the one you have on you, the one that gets the picture. And if someone's trying to get a hold of you, what are you going to have on you? You're not going to have your laptop on you, most likely, you know, 24 hours a day, you're going to have your phone in arm's reach. And that's how people are going to get to you. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Um, and, and just kind of cir circulating back to this uh, article here, they also talked about that the company estimated that uh, at least 400 unique domains remain in circulation, many of them reaching 1 million visitors each day, and at least 5 million people had their credentials stolen so far, but the number could potentially be much higher due to the difficulty in proving every case. Meta, which is Facebook, has not commented on the situation so far. I think you mentioned this point earlier. I don't know if it was when we were um, when we started this or right before um, uh, that's launching the, the podcast today. Um, that that Facebook has just been been dealing with so many different things lately, and it just goes on and on. Mm. And and I start to ask myself at some point, doesn't doesn't the brand start to deteriorate to the point where people really abandon it? I mean, to some degree, the younger generation already has, and they've migrated to 
Facebook's other platform, Instagram, <laughs> but, right. but or, some or degree, TikTok, yeah, yeah, or TikTok or whatever the latest and greatest. But but some degree, it, it's got to really start hurting you, and they're taking hit after hit, and then you add into their privacy issues and lawsuits, and the list goes on and on. Mm. Is Zuckerberg uh, Zuckerberg going to be in trouble soon? Well, it's I mean, it's almost a self fulfilling prophecy. I mean, they they kind of made their own problem. I mean, what does Facebook do? Their, their brand is getting tarnished. So what do they, so they rebrand to meta, but, but when they're all this rebranding to meta costing them billions, creating market confusion. And it's, it's, um, also, um, uh, I'm sure it's taking its toll on, on Facebook engineers because they got their hands full with all this new, um, you know, this kind of metaverse VR stuff. And they're, they're taking their eye off the ball. I think they're taking their eye off of security. They're not looking at the harm that their social media network is doing on a regular basis to people. In addition to the harm that all the scammers coming on board are doing it. I mean, we're, you know, we're Kelly and I are in the process of uh, selling our stuff and moving uh, actually back to the East coast for a little, for the, for a little bit. And we're using uh, Facebook marketplace to do a lot of this stuff because it's just got a, you know, it's got a critical base of users. A lot of them are local. So you could have a lot of local transactions going on, which, which gives me a, you know, kind of a level of security. I mean, yeah, they might know where you live, but when, you know, nothing beats a face-to-face transaction uh, to kind of root out who the scammers are versus who the, real people most likely are. And so you have this kind of local um, uh, system uh, um, uh, through Facebook. And but before you get to that point, of course, you make the initial contact uh, through Facebook and people say, Oh, I'll give you, you know, you're, you're asking 25 bucks, I'll give you 20 bucks, you know, that kind of stuff. And sure enough, we're trying to sell a few items, some some items are higher ticket. And the scammers are coming out of the woodwork and they're all, they're all trying these weird shipping schemes. They all, they start by, you know, real friendly saying, oh yeah, any, you know, they take your first price. They don't negotiate. There's a red flag. And then, and then they kind of change the terms a little bit from, oh, I'll pick it up locally to, hey, let's do a shipping thing instead. And I'll reimburse you the money to ship it to me. And, and you're like, yeah, but you you you're from an account that claims to be located down the block <laughs> why are you you know why are you shipping why are you why are you getting shipping involved this makes no sense you know and they and so a couple of them we we call them out on it you know when they they would actually they actually had the nerve to call us back because we would say get lost you know scammer we don't want to deal with you anymore you know we're going to block you but we already you know maybe um uh, exchange numbers or something so now they have the number and they're calling and and we're just like you know we just hang up on them and block their calls and stuff like that so uh, my um long convoluted story uh just uh, goes to show that i think part of facebook's problem is the the meta rebranding mm-hmm. and all the kind of confusion that that causes and they're they're not um they're not doing their job to the fullest because as we know, they're, you know, they're here to make money and they're here to show uh, wall street that they have a that the metaverse has a big future and whether that's true or not, that means they're always going to give kind of a short shrift to the current uh, customers, the current standards, you know, in lieu of future profits that they're chasing. 
Yeah. Yeah. And they are hit with, and it's not, this is not a face Facebook bash, but it's so easy to, cause they just seem to have grown so much that they dominate so many different conversations and it affects so many people's lives. But at the same time, they have made some blunders and things are, the media gets a hold of a lot of the stuff and it goes crazy. I know um, re- recently, just a couple of weeks ago, I remember reading about their, their chief operating officer, Cheryl Sandberg. Was, yeah. She, she's very well known and this and that, and she stepped down. Um, they've got a lot of challenges with, fake posts, irrelevant posts. They want to step in and try to um, control some of that. Let's say there's the, the whole political landscape of censorship and not censorship, uh, selling of data, uh, Cambridge Analytica, all the, you know, scam after scam, breach after breach, hack after hack. You can only have so much money where you could fight all this. Eventually, I think it's going to start taking its toll and I, I'm trying to think of what was what was the <coughs> competitor to Facebook a long time ago? What was the other social um, media? My, MySpace, I MySpace, guess, was right yeah. before them. Yeah, I have not heard. I'm sure it still exists. I don't know who owns it, if they still are the same platform or not. It's interesting. But I have not heard about MySpace in years. I don't know anybody that uses it. And yet it, at the time, I heard about them as much as Facebook or any other social media. So things come and go in this world so quickly. And if you get a black eye or make a couple of mistakes, uh, the industry pounds you for it. So you really have to uh, be careful and work hard every day to keep your brand and your, your business solid. That's why I sit there and ask myself, why in the world would they justify changing their name from Facebook to meta when you've got a, <coughs> a household name that everyone knows. And now suddenly you're trying to reinvent yourself a little bit for the future that's coming but not here yet just seems like an expensive gamble mm. absolutely but at least we're not working in facebook's marketing department or don't have to answer to anybody but it is interesting how how things are changing so quickly in this world absolutely and 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 not for the better so any event that's that that story there again the five million stolen credentials and counting uh the, some of the challenges that they're dealing with and uh, just to, to take a moment and thank our, our sponsor again, Dark Kryptonite stops ransomware, malware, and phishing in their tracks, eliminating cybercrime, fraud, and information warfare. Dark Kryptonite utilizes advanced blockchain algorithms and zero trust models. Learn more by going to their website, darkkryptonite.com. And Kryptonite is with a C. Learn more about some of the great stuff that that organization is doing. And they just updated their website. I was checking it out a couple of days ago. So I encourage people to uh, stop by and take a look-see. Um, and maybe just some, some house cleaning and uh, reminders for people that um, this podcast, it's available everywhere on YouTube, Spotify, Google, iHeart, Apple, Amazon, and more. If you like what you hear, we encourage people, please subscribe and uh, give our podcast a review. Good, bad, or ugly. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know. If you have questions and comments, uh, you can DM us. On Twitter, I'm very active on Twitter every day. Uh, my account is at Scott BVS, or you can even go to my website, scottshober.com for more information. Simple little form that you could fill out there. And we promise we will not email you to death or spam you to death, but we will read your comments and get back to you or questions if you have questions. And of course, if we read your comment or question on the podcast, we'll send you a choice of a signed copy of one of our books, Hacked Again, Cybersecurity is Everybody's Business, or senior cyber. So again, 
from the East Coast. I want to thank everybody for listening and tuning in. Uh, we encourage you to tune in next week for another new episode that will be packed with cyber news. We'll share another tip for the week and uh, hope that everybody uh, stays safe and has a, a, a great weekend ahead of them. This is uh, Scott Schober signing off from the East Coast. And this is Craig Schober signing off from the West Coast. Uh, everyone stay safe. Over.